Welcome to another episode of Inside the Recording Studio. I am Jody Whitesides, and with me as always is Mr. Chris Hellstrom. How are you today, Chris? I'm doing good. I'm doing yeah. all right. How about yourself? I'm feeling energized. How about you? Yeah, I'm starting to re-energize after last week's NAM experience. Yes. So uh, The NAM yeah, adventure so has come back to life. Yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit about that today and some things that we saw and our takeaways from it and wrap it up. If somebody actually doesn't know what NAM is, what is NAM, Jody? Well, it stands for the National Association of Music Merchants. But for those of us in the industry, it is our annual family reunion. There you go. Yeah, that's when you see <laughs> friends. Usually, yeah. Most friends of the time and family that you don't see once a year. Yeah, that's right. So when, when did we see it last time? Oh, it was last year's NAM. That was it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was actually good after obviously a couple of years of absence. It was nice. It, it was nice to go down there. And I, I was actually pretty pumped to go. We had pumped. a little bit. I of flew n- down. I came down. I had to be there. Yeah, I had to trudge through <laughs> an hour and a half of traffic to, to get there. But, Didn't uh, we all? Yeah, had a little bit more of a purpose this year because of this podcast. So there were some things that that we wanted to see if we can do, and I think we did. That we did. Yeah. Got to see some live music while we were trying to chow down on some food. That's true. That's true. We did do that. We did see some cool gear demonstrations. And like you said, we got to meet some some people and friends and peers and things, which is always nice. We even bumped into one of our... Former interviewees. That's right. Yeah. CJ. CJ Vanston. So he was going to do something with the Tech Awards, I think. That Uh, is right. Right. For Carol Kay, if I'm not mistaken. Well, she was not the only thing, but she was getting a Lifetime Achievement Award. She was, yes. That was really, really good. And we saw some other people that we bump into every NAM type of thing. (laughs) Pretty much. But it was good. It was good. So what, what's the purpose, really, besides just seeing people that you know? What Maybe if somebody's not too clued in on, on the NAM experience, what is the NAM experience except 110 of dB of noise generally for, <laughs> for an entire day's worth? I believe the actual intent is for companies that produce audio products, whether it be instruments or accessories or software or hardware, whatever, anything that is generally music-related businesses attempting to hawk their wares to stores and retailers. However, it has got a side purpose to it, and we were part of the side purpose. (laughs) (laughs) Explain yourself, sir. The side purpose is to get endorsements or see the new products that you want to have in your own arsenal prior to them technically coming out a lot of the time. Yeah. And that has changed the landscape a little bit because obviously it sounds dumb now. It's so logical. But with the internet and everything, with all these companies, they can just release everything Willy-nilly. Online. Yeah, exactly. This used to be the place where you'd go to see the new update to Logic or Pro Tools or whatever new plugins would come out. And now, of course, there's a little bit less of a need for that. But in the physical realm, when it comes to consoles and hardware and stuff, this is still a viable option for people, I'm assuming, because they're still doing it. So That's right. It's a good way to get your hands on on seeing stuff. Plus... As I said, it's like having a family reunion, but it's mostly with friends in the audio business and the music business as such. Yeah. 
And one thing that in past years always noticeable that you would always see people go there to be seen, basically. Oh, yes. And they want to experience a bump into people and this and that. Noticeably, a lot less of that this year, I noticed. You it, brought it, seems, it up. I didn't. I try not to pay attention to it. <laughs> well, but, but you... Um, I think I'm just well, visible it, because of how tall I am. Well, you have that. I don't. I'm at the other end of the spectrum when it comes to the, to the height. So, right. but people tended to get dressed up and look like they're about to hit the stage at the. Well, there were Festival. a few. There were a few. Yeah, yeah. But it is a fun experience. You it know, is. when we go, and especially if we have a purpose to, even if it's just go checking out new gear and things, and hopefully conducting a little bit of a business thing, and then see people actually demonstrate them and you can in real time ask them questions about, well, how does this work or blah, 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 all those kind of things. So yep. NAM is cool. Very exhausting experience though. You think so? I think so, yeah. I'd say uh, that a normal NAM or the NAM that it used to be as of 2020's January NAM, that's a bit more exhausting. This oh, sure. NAM was not exhausting by any stretch of the imagination in terms of sheer size. It was about one third the size of previous NAM. Yeah. So it was easy to see just about every single thing that we needed to see in one day, which normally would take you two to three days or maybe yeah, four. at least. Because <laughs> yeah. it used to this be four days long. Right. Good thing that you bring that up because it generally is one of those things that you would go there with an agenda because on a regular NAM year, there is no way you're seeing everything because it's just too Not much. in one day anyway. Right. And you, I would say or you still that you'd have to struggle to see everything that's there, even if it was four. Right. So you generally pick your poison, so to speak, and check that out. And then everything else is bonus. So we did see quite a few things that we thought were worth mentioning here today. What would you like to jump in first or anything that you'd like to add before we kind of jump into that? I'd almost say chronologically speaking, the first thing that I think we actually saw as a partnership there was RME's booth. Yes. And we spoke with RME for a brief moment. Mm -hmm. Their new thing happened to be a 12-channel mic pre with Dante capability. Yeah. They are the right. only one currently that has that because they were the only ones that had chips for it. <laughs> yeah, due to they, the chip they, shortage, there's not, not anybody else that currently has it for a little while. Right. It's almost like Steve Jobs said with Apple when the recession hit years and years ago. He goes, we've decided not to take part in that. So RME has decided not to take part in right. the chip shortage. Right? Well, at least with this. And for those that don't yeah. know, and we've had a few complaints in the past that Dante – if that is a phrase to you that you do not know, it is an audio communication platform that is lightning fast that happens between interfaces and audio routers, so to speak. Yeah, it's a digital routing capability that you go through where you go through Ethernet and you don't have to have audio cables running around. You can route it, from what I understand, just about any way you want. From anywhere that. to anywhere, and it is for, generally, it's in high-end professional environments. Yeah, exactly. And there are quite a few products that can make use of Dante, so get used to that word. Yeah, it's a little bit of, or has been a little bit of a war of formats, I believe, but Dante seems to be coming out as... The victor! <laughs> Right, the head of the pack, at least as of present time. 
who knows? Maybe that comment won't age well. We'll see. But, but <laughs> well, you right said now, it, I did not. Anyway, yeah, moving yeah. on. What's the next thing that you bring up? Well, the next thing that I was excited to see, because we were both drooling when we saw the uh, SSL controllers yes. the first time. And to actually get our hands on them and get to play with them a little bit, and they feel freaking awesome. I'm talking about the, the UF8 and the UC1. Yeah, yeah, is, yeah. Getting to play with that looked and felt, more importantly, really, really cool. I'm possibly drooling even more now than I did before <laughs> when, when I saw them. But they, yeah, they looked amazing. They looked the part and they felt the part. They felt solid. They felt all of that. And the integration that the ones that we saw obviously was running their software as well. And well, it it's, the, pre, it's the interface of software that goes between the controller and the plugins that go into a DAW. So they have like their own type of console software that kind of is the intermediary step between the two. Yeah. What else can I say? It looked really, really cool. I, th I think you'd echo my sentiment on that, how it, it's like, yeah, that would be awesome to have type of thing. Well, it wasn't even so much that as I told the salesman, expect me to be purchasing it in the next couple of months. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, they showed their new bus compressor. Yes, they did. The Bus Plus, which is not just a classic sort of like SSL bus compressor that we, you know, we tend to think about. This has a few more bells and whistles, and this is hardware. Uh, Straight hardware up hardware, unit. and it's rack mounted. Mm-hmm. And so that, that looked really cool. Looked apart. It's hard to get an accurate <laughs> sound test, if you will, or, or an accurate sound at now because it's it's freaking noisy, but... Uh, you know what? Being that you just brought that up, I'm going uh -huh. to bring up the next thing here a little bit Do out it. of order based on whatever notes we made here. The pro audio design people. Mm -hmm. We stopped by their booth and I like stopped dead in my tracks because they had this cutaway scale model of building blocks, so to speak, of how to build isolated rooms within rooms with this new stuff that they've created. And instead of being the metal sound resilient hat channel that most people are familiar with. And if you're not familiar with that for a studio build, sound resilient hat channel is funny looking tapered metal stuff that you would screw your wall into on top of your studs to separate the wall from the studs. And they've gone a step further than the sound resilient hat channels and the ISO hooks that people tend to sell that are very expensive. Their thing is made of wood and they have a base and then a top made of wood that has slots in it. And then the slots are filled with silicone and the two pieces of wood are separated by about, oh, I want to say a quarter of an inch of silicone in between the, the two blocks. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. So it, it sits on, one block sits on top of the other. And instead of being sound resonant hat channel, you will screw the bottom block into your stud and then you screw your wall into the top block and it's completely isolated to what they, I believe they said 70 dB of sound reduction just by using this. Inadvertently, I go in to talk to the guy that designed this inside the booth that they had built. Yeah. And you stood outside. I waited outside. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm not going in there. Yeah. And he's sitting there 
showing off another set of speakers that they also designed. And he's blasting the bejesus out of them to the point where I'm holding my ears and I'm trying to put my earplugs in because it's so damn loud. And it it is a great sounding set of speakers and it was a Beyonce track and it was banging. But the problem is it was just so loud it was hurting my ears. I come out of the booth, we get the card because we're going to have that guy on the podcast for a future interview at some point to talk about these building blocks. We walk away and I said, how much did you hear outside the booth? And he goes, hear what? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't hear I mean, a thing. You, you didn't yeah. hear a thing. So, right. I mean, that's amazing sound reduction for a NAM demonstration when you can't hear speakers that are that fucking loud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even that NAM, that, that is pretty damn impressive. Yeah. yeah, that to me sold me on their product design for these building blocks that I'm thinking that this summer I'm going to tear my room apart and rebuild it using these things. (laughs) Yeah. On the surface, that's a sort of kind of unsexy thing to look at, right? Ooh, we got like wood joints here, you know? But but in a studio build, it's like all those little things are are things that people actually pay a lot of attention to, to get, you know, the most soundproofing, not just from sound coming out, but obviously sound coming in. And also get a nice sounding room in addition to that. Of course. Yeah. So the other thing that was interesting is that I actually mentioned something about the room that somewhere, what room is it in Europe, that is mounted on giant springs to isolate Mm. it from the floor. And he goes, yeah, you don't need to do that with this stuff. And I'm thinking, no, it sure doesn't look like it. Because I was asking how durable it's supposed to be with a bunch of wear and tear with people walking on top of these joints. He said, we haven't had any problems with it. So I hope they're right because... It was impressively cool technology, and of course, it reduced the sound of those speakers that easily had to have been blasting well over 100 dB in my yeah. ear holes, and you didn't hear it, which is incredible not, to me. Yeah, not ideal mixing level. <laughs> no, not ideal mixing level at all. It easily was, I'm thinking that by one of the turnups that he had to, to showcase the, the low end, like just the sheer thump of the sub that they had, must have been at like. I want to say 130 dB. It was just ridiculously loud. That's crazy. I'm glad I didn't experience that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, moving on. Uh, Well, moving on. Here's another thing that you mentioned that you saw because you got to go a couple more days than I did. You mentioned that isoacoustics Mm -hmm. have, since we're talking about isolation and stuff, they have some new wall mounts or or speaker hangers. And isoacoustics is a company out of Canada, just so people know. And they make these platforms that you can set your speakers on to isolate the speaker from the desk, which yeah, is supposed to decouple, to, them, decouple the speaker yeah. from for the vibrations and everything. And it's supposed to improve the sound. And they do. They're actually very, very nice. They have a new product coming out in September. So it's not out yet. These are now mounts that can mount to the ceiling or a wall and come out on an arm and then they isolate off the arm and they mount to the back of your speaker. So you can mount your speaker to the wall because some people are obviously mixing in very small environments and to mix, you you don't want to necessarily be right next to the wall. And if you are next to the wall, you definitely want to have isolation from it. So they now have a new product coming in September that is a wall or ceiling mount arm that you can mount to the wall and the ceiling and or the ceiling and isolate your speakers from said wall or ceiling. And they're pretty cool looking. Right. That's cool. Let's switch gears here kind of drastically from actual physical product. Then we went, we checked out the Sound Toys booth. Yes, we did. And just 
spoke to those good people, but also managed to get a little bit of a demonstration for something that echo, Adam Mosley, yeah, the, the Echo Boy, where Adam Mosley described as how you can add a feel to the delays, mm -hmm. right? In other words, so you can rush or have them be a little bit delayed, a little bit of a lazy kind of delay to create these different grooves. My favorite and, kind. Uh, looks very, very cool. I don't Th think was it was a new plugin. No, we no, no, just it's never not a new plugin. Yeah, exactly. Because we, we've had different delays and everything. And, and But they do make, you know, an awesome suite of plugins as well, right? Just you and I. I, I mean, I use a few other things. I'm, I was high on the decapitator and things. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, so that, that was a cool thing that we got to see as well. Um, we stopped by the audience booth and I actually get to see hands-on with the, the new Evo interface, right? The, oh, yeah. That's a sexy-looking piece of kit. The eight in, eight out. Yeah. And that as well. Because so, sometimes you care about these pieces of gear and they have a certain price point and you it think, oh, that's just got to be cheap junk. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you and this you went over like... and picked it up. And he's like, can I pick it up? And he's like, yeah, sure. You pick it up and you're shaking it around. And it's got some heft to it. Yeah. That's nice to see. Right? What It's not just like plastic that feels like it's going to fall off mm -hmm. uh, or fall apart when you have it in your hand. So so that, that was cool as well. That was another one that I quite enjoyed, actually. And I believe they said that it did up to 96K. I don't think it, they said it 192, right? It goes up to 96K? 96, yes. Okay. 96. So maybe that's where they're saving some bucks. You don't get to go to 192, but you do get to go all the way up to 96 if you want it. Yeah, which in all fairness, I mean, if you are concerned with that and you're, you're going up to 192. You're probably um, not looking at the Evo. <laughs> yeah, because you're, you're probably in a different price range, right? But for anybody else who's on a little bit more of a budget and you're looking to record drums or whatever, you, or you, need all, you need eight inputs, right? That's, yeah, stand by my choice for that Friday find. <laughs> this, this did not let me down. So that was pretty cool as well. Yeah. And with that, we'll take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. All right, we're back from that. And next up, I'm going to jump in with the Eventide booth. And we got to see the workings of a new plugin editor that they have. Describe it. Yeah, this was for, well, first of all, let's set the scene here a little bit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we walk up to the booth and we're faced with this giant screen. It was a giant and screen. There's no doubt about It was about a giant that. screen. <laughs> and it was very much one of those, like you mentioned last week, beam me up, Scotty. What the hell is going on here? Right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Very futuristic. But it turns out that it was something that we speculated it would be, and it turned out to be nothing like that. Well, I, no, that I speculated that it was like a pedal board plug-in interface for the pedal board that I developed a few years ago. Yeah, I didn't want to say that, but yes, that was it. Turns out it wasn't that. What it instead was was a uh, an editor for the physical H3000. But it was 9, a, oh, it's 9000 at this yes. point. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm dating myself here. But the Eventide 9000, it looked really, really impressive. Instead of having to go through on the unit itself and go through, I'm assuming, lots and lots of menus and things to assign everything. You could just do this in a graphical interface and the abilities that you could do with it 
looked really, really cool. Like the instant recall of entire chains and all this oh, yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. So it was pretty cool. And the way that the guy that was demonstrating it demonstrated a particular piano patch to us by turning on and off certain things just was incredible to hear the massive change in the yeah. piano sound that happened as he was right. playing around with it. Right. And that's all taking place in the hardware unit, right? So there, there's no power drainage on your machine, that type of thing. Of course, you need to have the physical unit, which is not a, a budget piece by any gear, but it certainly is a great sounding piece of gear and uh, a plethora of ins and out on that thing as well. So that, that was another thing that was really cool besides their, their entire suites of plugins that we both enjoy as well. But, but of course. Next up, what do we got? You checked out a new desk. We saw a new desk. I did. As well. Yeah. I don't know. Technically, they're custom-made desks, and it's a company called Jam Racks. And mm -hmm. the guy that builds them is Jeff Baker. Uh, he makes these audio desks and rack gear mounts out of bamboo. And I'm thinking, nice. is bamboo really this strong? But apparently, where he sources it is very thick. He was telling me that the diameter of these bamboo trees that he gets it from are pretty darn big, and they can cut it down, and it regrows within four months. So it's a That's sustainable <laughs> type of wood that you can build things with. And the desks look really, really amazing, and it's beautifully crafted. The next time I need to build a desk, I'm going to go to Jamracks from Jeff because <laughs> they're beautiful. I mean, they're a little <laughs> pricey, but, hey, they're custom-made exactly what you want. Yeah. Well, sometimes quality costs, right? Sometimes. Uh, speaking of quality, uh, the other thing that I saw – Purposely didn't go and check out a whole lot of guitar stuff because that was not on the agenda this year. But we did get to see the Ernie Ball Tosin Abasi model of the new guitar that they just released, the, the Kaizen, I believe. Yes. And we even saw Tosin there. Yeah, he was there promoting it, and as, as people tend to do. But it is a very futuristic-looking thing. So if you're looking for, like, Ernie Ball for more of traditional thing, which might not actually be accurate, this is very pointy and very angular and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. So it, it's not— It's a fanned— fret-style fingerboard. It is too. that, too, as well. Yeah. So it, it's a seven-string offering. So the lower end of the scale would have more like a Fender-type scale, which is like 25.5. And the upper side of the strings will have a Gibson 24.75 scale length. It has these fan frets and supposed to help with intonation and certainly the feel of playing this. So this is very much a... Uh, futuristic looking thing but if you're into that and you're you know you're familiar with Tosin's playing he is nothing but or he's, he's a shred master he's certainly not a traditional type of player right at least not at this point in his career so that was kind of cool to see that as well yeah yeah what else we got you got to check out Sonable as well right? I did Sonable yeah. is a plugin creator and they have what I would call smart plugins the first smart plugin that I think I ever saw was Golfos, and we did see those guys too. And they have we a do. new version that is designed for live use. That's so right. That you can do it on the fly as you're doing it. Because generally speaking, when you use Golfos's normal plugin, it's a pretty intense CPU 
processing hog, so to speak. But they have right. a lighter version now that can work on the fly. And they have multiple versions as well. That One is meant specifically for mastering at this point. But on the flip side, Sonable, doing something kind of similar, but different. <laughs> In that they have an EQ, they have a reverb, and they have a compressor. Those were the three things they were showing off when I stopped by the booth. And what they are is that they are content-aware plugins. So they listen to what's coming in, and then you can give them some parameters, and then it just takes off from there. And it's pretty cool stuff. With the likeness of our last episode where we were looking at the Neutron 4 kind of in depth, their compressor has elements of similarity to the mm. Neutron 4 compressor. And that's as much as I'm going to say about that. Yeah. It's, we're starting to see like a trend here, aren't we? More towards this sort of machine learning type of, of plugins where they analyze whatever you send into them. And mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's possible welcome in when, when deadlines get shorter and quicker and turnarounds and everything. It's interesting to see. And obviously machines are more powerful now. And I say machines, I mean our computers. Right. To take advantage of, of all these things. So it's a lot of interesting stuff that we see coming out. But it can be really, really overwhelming, I think, unless you have a clear path when you're when you're at NAM and everything is coming out. You know, it's like, oh my God, this is cool and this is cool and this is that. And yeah, brain overload. Yeah. Right. And it at the same time, it's you see these booths where People are just like, yeah, we manufacture knobs. A mm -hmm. And it, it, it that sort of speaks to the breadth of NAM, right? Where you have, you know, you obviously got everything from the latest SSL console to things like, you know, Sonable here with like the smart plugins and everything. And then all the way down to different pieces of wood that yes. they're doing for like music stands or we manufacture knobs for things, right? And <laughs> I, I, we saw a booth that had knobs, and they were sexy yeah. looking knobs. Right? No, nothing to say against the knobs, but it's I, I'm just floored by like, wow, that that's a ballsy market to go into, right? When it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, no, that's that's all we do. We just go knobs. <laughs> yeah. But hey, somebody's gonna make them, right? For all the cool gear that we have. Damn right. So. Yeah. So anything else that you'd like to add to this NAM experience? Well, um, since I got an extra day in on you, I've got a few extra things I can mention. Let's do it. Let's All do right. it. The first thing I'm going to mention is a company called New Gen Audio. And yep. this particular company is also a plug-in company, and they are making surround sound 3D, Dolby Atmos, Sony 360RA type monitoring solutions so that mm -hmm. you can master and listen to your mixes, visually speaking. And the demonstration that I got was actually pretty darn amazing. It was like, oh, I almost, I'm thinking that I must have had drool coming out the side of my mouth <laughs> because the marketing person was suddenly all over me talking to me about certain things and how we might be able to do something with the podcast. So it was like, oh, yay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. There's new gen audio. They have 3D monitoring software, which is really cool. In addition to that, Acoustablock is a company that creates acoustic material for sound deadening for your walls. And they also make a very, very heavy vinyl covering that is 
the way I approached them. How does yeah. this work for pickleball? And they started laughing <laughs> because apparently they are in cahoots with the USA Pickleball Association where they've done hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of courts, I think they told me, of putting their stuff up on the fences to reduce sound on right. pickleball courts. And it was a fun conversation to be had. You and I also saw Sony showcase 360 RA audio. Yeah. And the demonstration on that was actually pretty darn cool. So that technology coming out is going to be pretty awesome. Yeah. It's not out Absolutely. yet, but it is coming in the not so distant future. And in a set of headphones, the mix that they showed off was pretty darn impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very cool stuff. There is a, another company in addition to Sound ID, who we've mentioned multiple times on the podcast, called Trinov Audio. They have a slightly different take on how to do room corrections, where they're using more or less like a 3D audio mic. And then they have a hardware box that it attaches to. It does the room measurement from your head standpoint and does all the calculations and saves it as a preset in this hardware box. And then you yeah. plug your speakers into it and it does all the corrections for you. So your computer's not at the mercy of doing it, which is pretty cool as well. I think that that technology, while still obviously functional for pro audio, it's also for fields of like home theaters and things like that. So mm -hmm. we're talking about a little bit of a different, and when I say a little, I mean a lot different in, <laughs> in price point here. But it is very, very cool technology nonetheless. Right. That it is. And then I want to mention one other company that I got a chance to speak with, and it's Digital Audio Labs. They started out doing a lot of products for church-going type musicians, and they've now branched out with a product that is similar to the Hearback system, but it's called Live Mix, and mm. it is digital. It runs on Dante. Ding, da, ding, da, ding. There's that word again. It allows you to do a personal mix right at your playing location, whether on stage or in a studio. And apparently it has branched well beyond the church market in that now a lot of players are jumping in with this and they're installing it into studios and such, similarly to what the hearback system would be, but it's called Live Mix from Digital Audio Labs. It is impressive stuff. And instead of being hardware knobs like the hearback system, it is touchscreen and it is yeah. really sexy so is it a proprietary thing or is it does it run on an ipad type of thing or, no it's or? a proprietary box and okay. it runs the ethernet cable and it runs via dante and i believe it can also run without dante but dante is kind of the the means that they use and that was a pretty sexy box and then we have the aea mics which is a slew of ribbon mics AEA is a company that originally got its start by repairing and modifying RCA ribbon mics. And then mm. they branched out into just creating their own. And some of them are kind of pricey, but they sure are sexy. <laughs> well, as ribbon mics tend to be, right? They're, yes. you know, they tend to be a little bit on the higher price, but they sure can sound very, very good. Yep. All right. What's your takeaway from this NAM, Chris? Well, the initial one was just the size, mm -hmm. right? It was 
fair bit smaller. Like you mentioned before, we were able to do everything that we needed to do in one day. And I, in agreement with you, that had to be about a third of what it normally is. Yeah. It was much more spread out. That was the first thing. I'm like, wow, this is a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> not everybody had a presence there. The other takeaway is that we should hopefully have some nice giveaways and things coming up here in the next few months. So that would be my my big thing. But it was it was good to see everybody, people that you bumped into, and it felt good to be in that kind of environment again. But it was good. I enjoyed it. And it was good to hang out together, just you and I. For, yeah, it's been a while. If it just, yeah, it has been. So we do it on a daily basis virtually, but this was actually in physical space. What about you? What was your takeaway from? Well, I heard several friends that complained and several other people that aren't necessarily friends that also complained, oh, this name sucks, but it's this small, nobody's here. For me, it was reminiscent of, say, Nam 20 years ago. Yeah. And it felt doable. It didn't feel overwhelming, which is a nice change of pace. Yeah, I agree. Not that the overwhelming version isn't fun. I get why people were complaining, but at the same time, it's like, come on, they're doing what they can to get this all going again since it's been stopped. And my understanding is, is that they will do the next NAM sometime in April, and then I believe in 2024, they will go back to the January NAM. That is the mm. monstrous NAM that it usually is. Right. Is that a yeah, takeaway? It- Not really. I was actually comfortable with it. And it was nice to be able to walk around and not have to constantly rub shoulders. And I literally mean rubbing shoulders to get from one place to another where there's so many people, you're literally walking in an ant hive. Yeah. And you end up yelling in each other's ears just to communicate that kind of thing. Yep. And on another positive note, while we wrap this up here, was a couple of the people that we talked to said that they expected a lot less of a turnout. Yeah, they were understaffed. I'd talked to several people. Yeah, we didn't bring enough people to deal with all the people coming by, and we didn't expect it to be this busy. It was busier than expected, but it was still nice that it was not ridiculously overwhelming. Right. NAM 2022. Oh, yeah. Let's go on to our Friday finds. Chris, what have you got for us today? Well, you'd think with the episode that we just talked about, I'll have a sexier pick here. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. But in the unsexiest of things when it comes to audio, and that's the backup stuff, Uh I actually saw that Western Digital now have 16 terabyte drives on sale. So if you're looking at a new backup system or upgrading your RAID or something like that, 16 terabytes, that, that's that's a lot of data. Now, that's obviously coming from a spinning drive. That's not a solid-state drive because right. then you'd have to be Elon Musk to be able to afford one of those. Well, you but didn't mention the price. $299. That's a sexy price. That's a sexy price for at least by the time of this podcast being recorded, that's what the price is. So don't yes. hold me to that. That is my Friday find for this week. And you, good sir, what do you have? I am going to go with something that I saw at NAMM. Nice. And that is a company I hadn't even mentioned, and it's JZ Mikes, the letter J, the letter Z, and Mikes. They are out of the UK, 
I know I had briefly read about them, and they are a mic manufacturer that is going after sounds of vintage microphones. And they're mm. doing it at a price point that guys can afford to do from their bedroom, so to speak. And they have a C12, but they don't call it a C12. They have a 47. They don't call it the 40, the U47. It's called something else. Right. The man that I spoke with, who is their head of marketing, explained to me how they're making the mics. And it has everything to do with how they put the gold on the diaphragm of the mic. Obviously. And while the, <laughs> yes, of course, like I, I know everything there is to know about mic manufacturing, but I didn't. And he explained it to me, and it was quite interesting in how he's explaining it and how they're getting a better dynamic resolution out of a cheaper process, so to speak. So these, these are physical microphones. They are not physical microphones. Em they are not yeah. digital emulations. They are not models by using a single microphone and then modeling it through software. They are physical microphones. And the price point, if I'm not mistaken, is about $9.99 US dollars. And hmm. they're getting you something that sounds relatively close to the C12. Now, when I spoke to them specifically about the C12 model that they're kind of going after with their brand. They showed me a review from somebody else who also has a C12, much like I do, and how it's supposed to be very similar. But the way they explained it, it's more open on the top end. And I'm thinking, is that even possible? Because the C12 is so <laughs> silky and smooth on the upper end of the microphone. It's like, I don't know. But they claim it. And while I did not get the chance to actually hear it at NAMM, because it's a ridiculous environment to try and test a microphone out in. I do feel impressed with the takeaway of looking at the build quality of the mic and speaking to their team of people that they had there to explain the mics to me. If you are looking for a good budget value mic that's going to get you right in the same ballpark of your sought after U47 or a 67 or a C12 or whatever it is you want, this is probably the brand you want to talk about and look hmm. at buying a microphone from. Cool. And that's my Friday find. While we've got your attention, we ask that you go to InsideTheRecordingStudio.com and sign up for our mailing list. You'll get weekly reminders about the Tuesday tips when they come out, and we'll make sure that you don't miss any future episodes of the podcast. Send us an email at goldstar, G-O-L-D-S-T-A-R, at InsideTheRecordingStudio.com with the word NAM, and that is N-A-M-M -M for lettering, and you'll get something cool back in your inbox. If you have a topic or suggestion for Chris and I to explain in a future episode, contact us at the contact page and we'll put it into consideration for a future episode. And with that, I'll say, see you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'll talk to you later, Jody. Jody.